All right. Let's get into some stuff. Everybody ready? Thank you, Lord. God's doing great things. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you have a Bible with you today, go ahead and get those out. Bible apps and find your favorite verse. We'll see if that's the one I use. (laughs) And uh, today, I want to uh, uh, continue or maybe even complete. I've been teaching a series uh, for a little while now called uh, Getting Over It. Yes. Hallelujah. (laughs) Getting over it. Anybody have any it's? (laughs) Well, the Word of God tells us how to get over them. And uh, this series has been about how to live an overcoming life. If you missed the first uh, eight parts, they're available to you on on the website for free. Let's read these two verses once again. Are you tired of these verses? No. Good. That means, that means you believe them. The moment you get tired of them is the moment you should start over with part one. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Let's say it out loud together. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Make sure that's personal for you now. Not just us-ins in general. All y'all. But it's me. He gives us, he gives me the victory. Yeah. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, say it with me. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Amen. So how often does he lead us in triumph? Well, always, always. Would that include today? Is the Lord actively involved in my life and in your life with the desired outcome, his desire, outcome of triumph and victory? That's certainly the case. God is never against us. He's for us. Amen. Sometimes people are against God, but he's not against us. Amen. I understand he resists the proud, but one thing a proud person can do, I mean, they can continually be resisted or they could humble themselves, right? I mean, we have that choice. If I'm proud, I get resisted by God, but I can change. How many know change is possible? I can humble myself. What happens if I humble myself? I'm not going to be resisted. I mean, I'm going to get the grace of God that I seek, that I need, that I want. Well, I don't think I can live my life according to certain, you know, standards and so forth. You can with the grace of God. His grace is so abundant and so abundant and so powerful that it enables, I mean, the worst of the worst to be the best of the best. Come on. It, 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 it enables, a, 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 you know, a, someone who's a skateboarder to be top gun, right? <laughs> he will transform, like we say sometimes, or someone said, from us from the guttermost to the uttermost. <laughs> His grace is truly sufficient to empower, to strengthen, and literally transform people's lives. We are not in this. I am not. I didn't sign up for this just to give a nice speech and and be able to say wonderful things that don't change lives. I am 100% convinced 
that the Word of God has the power of God that is transformative to solve any of life's difficulties and problems. I mean, it's, it's really the case. God will take people who are just mean and ugly and, and, and turn their life around and they're just become the most loving, forgiving, kind, and generous people. Amen. He'll turn stiff people into free worshipers. He'll turn stingy people, like I said, into generous people. The grace of God is enough. Everybody say it out loud. Say, God's grace, God's grace will work in me. Amen. And so I've been talking about how to live an overcoming life. And uh, I said that we have to make God our source and refuse to fear and control our tongue and take steps of faith. This whole series has been about, about building faith. Um, does, it, it's been about saying things with the end result is that, of that you would believe that you could overcome. That I'm endeavoring to say things that put in us the belief that I can be better, stronger, I can have victory, independent of what has happened, no matter what the past has been, I can go forward in a new direction and with a smile on my face. Yeah, he can turn your frown upside down, right? Uh, he... I really believe that. And so we are saying these things to that end because overcoming is the will of God for every one of us. None of us fail because God wanted us to or it was inevitable. It just couldn't be avoided. No, I think, like I said before, things are changeable. I never want to look for comfort or solace in trying to discover a purpose for my pain, all right? Uh, that is a, often a futile um, seeking. I don't mean that I don't want to know like others. If I go through hardship or trouble, and if I can determine why it happened, maybe I can avoid it happening again, right? If I can discover the source, the reason, and I don't mean it's wrong to ask God, for answers and, and, and reasons why certain things have taken place. But I would say this, if you don't get a quick resolution or answer or understand all the, the backstory of why it took place, was it the devil, was it someone else, was it my mistake? Um, if I don't understand that, I should focus on moving on from it. Because you can, you can hinder or you can delay your experience of victory by wallowing in and remaining in the, in the, the state of why did it take place in the, to, the, in, to begin with, yeah? So sometimes leave that question alone if it's not answered and say, well, how, what do I do from, from here? How can I solve this going forward? How can I make changes in my life? How can I overcome what I am wrestling with? Now, if I have the victory and he causes me to triumph, as we read in those, those, those verses, then how should I act? Because it takes acts of faith, takes action, steps of faith to produce a manifestation of God. If I believe that, he has given me the victory. He always causes me to triumph. What should that look like? How do I act? What, what, what should be in my mouth? How should I talk? How does a faith person talk? 
What, what, what does that sound like? And uh, one of the conditions I think we should really make sure we don't fall into is the trap of victimhood, okay? You've all heard about uh, the victim mentality. Um, now, I'm not saying that there aren't real victims. I'm not saying that if someone or something has happened to you that you weren't a victim in that, say, in that sense. Uh, I don't deny that. But the mentality, sometimes that is allowed to get from the outside or from the experience and take up residence inwardly and become identity is a real danger. Okay? Now, I looked up the word uh, victim, and it said injured party, prey. Not like prey, but, but prey. Uh, it said sufferer or casualty, all right? This is a mentality of someone who will not overcome. They will not experience victory. Now, now let me say this. Uh, I didn't want to say this, but I'm saying it anyway. I got, I got pulled into it twice in a row. Uh, beware of the voice that preaches what God didn't promise. It's usually followed up with a statement that is technically true, but not principally true. In other words, I could say, God never promised you could stand on one foot. Now that's true, isn't it? I mean, I don't know of any promises like that. Here I go. Standing on one foot. God never promised you could do that. I imagine most of us could do that. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> Usually, the words that are placed in that sentence are God never promised, and it's things like a happy life, a successful life, a prosperous life, or God never promised that everyone would be healed, or some type of statement like that. And what they're saying is their exact words maybe aren't in a verse like that, but the principle they're teaching is 100% wrong. It's a loser, it's a loser theology. All right? Here, here, here's, here's what I could... I would also say this. Well, God never said that everybody would be saved... What, and what, what business do you have going ahead, go ahead and getting saved? We, we understand he didn't say that everybody would be saved, but he did tell you how you can be saved. Amen. We understand. Maybe not everyone will have success in life and victorious living, and, but he did tell you how you could have it. I don't want to let doubt fill my heart and I'm questioning God's will because someone said, well, the Bible never promised. And they make some generalized statement that puts me in a passive position and accepts failure. As opposed to saying, well, what did God promise? Did he tell me I could speak to my mountain? Did he say whatever I would bind and loose would be done? Did he tell me whatever I ask, I would be given? I, I mean, what did he tell me? Give me an answer, a solution here, rather than putting me in a pit and saying, you're stuck and it's God's will. 
Hallelujah. Now back to this. See, what I'm saying is those kind of statements, they make me the victim, even if I'm the victim of God. And they take away faith. They take away confidence. They take away uh, my belief that God is powerful and generous and loving and giving and, and he'll do like <laughs> what he said. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, again, now, the victim mentality, it, it believes that all problems are someone else's fault. Every negative thing is out of their control and they feel helpless. Okay. Again, I'm teaching not to the goal and end result to make everyone feel helpless, but for everyone to feel helped. The Holy Spirit is called our helper. So I should never embrace the belief that I am helpless. Okay? Now, all of us, we choose how to respond to life's challenges. Don't we? We all have them. Some are more severe than others. You know, some things that happen to people, I think, wow, that's terrible. I mean, it really is. Sincerely, I feel for them. I have... I have feel their pain in, in one sense. And, uh, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to say, what are you going to do next? And someone needs to say that to me sometimes. Okay, that happened. That's true. That's real. Uh, that they did that to you, and that happened. But what are you going to do now? That choice will determine where I go. I can stay with a why me mentality, or I can start asking, what will I do to make it better? Again, the answer of why me? Well, one, who, who should, it, should it have been someone else? <laughs> who were you wishing that happened to instead of you? <laughs> but why me? You may not get that answered. But what can I do? What will I do from here? That is a very important question. You know, uh, Paul, the apostle who wrote a good portion of the New Testament, had a very difficult ministry because he was highly persecuted for preaching the gospel. He would have trouble on every side. Now, he also had seasons of great abundance and prosperity, but he also would find he'd go into some places and they just didn't like him. They didn't like what he was saying and they would attack him and sometimes very physically and it was very real. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. He said, uh, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I want you to notice he is describing the things that have happened to him, to them. They are outward, but then he also describes his inward condition, says this has happened, but we are, in essence, we are not embracing that. We are going to live out of the treasure that God has placed in us. This is a challenge for all of us. We need to learn how to respond to difficulty this way. This has happened. This is coming against me. However, I am not going to be crushed. I will not be knocked out of the game. I have the Spirit of God, the treasury on the inside, and I will rise up. The, the word is, don't let what is around you get inside of you. 
Choose to be the victor no matter what happens. See, that's a choice all of us can make. In Paul's life at another time, he was heading to Jerusalem for the Passover and he wanted to bear witness to the resurrection of Christ and so forth. And as he was traveling, everywhere he'd go, people would, would warn him and try to talk him out of going to Jerusalem. And then one day the prophet even came and said, the Jews are going to bind you up and they're going to do this to you at Jerusalem. Great persecution. And Paul's response was very uh, interesting, very tough from one standpoint, because he, he didn't say, yeah, I think I'm going to change my plans. You know, I'm, I'm doing something else. He famously said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That statement, that phrase, I, I recommend adaptation. Use it at times. What, what's that phrase? The one, I, the one I underlined. None of these things move me. Have you had some things that are trying to move you? Move you emotionally? Move your decision making? Negative things, bad events, trials, tests, and they're trying to move you away from the position you ought to be in? Have a conviction on the inside that says, absolutely not. I will not be moved by this. Yes, this happened. Yes, this person did or said or acted in a way. Yes, this trial came in my life, but I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to believe God, and I will not be moved by this. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? All right. Um, the, the, the mentality of a, of a victor is one that doesn't like to talk about how bad they have it. The victim loves this. They love to tell everybody how bad it is. Well, you know, how's it going? Well, <laughs> uh, the, the person who has faith in God's victory is one who, re, who refuses to discuss how they've been abused how they've been taken advantage of. And th there's got to come a point. I realize some of that maybe in a, you know, in a right setting is a healthy way to get things out. But then the victorious person refuses to continue that month after month and year after year. And they're always going to talk about what happened to them. Is it real? Yes, it's real. That's why we need a real response a real faith response, okay? Have, um, have you ever had a, a, you know, a, a, a cut or a scrape or something that required a bandage to keep it from being re-scraped or get, you know, dirt in there and so forth? And, and maybe it's a serious, you know, injury, but you put some kind of bandage on there. How many know you put that on there? You, you, don't, you don't go back an hour later and rip it off to check. You don't, I mean, if it's a serious scrape, you don't in the morning wake up and rip it off and say, oh man, it's still there. <laughs> what do you need to do for that thing to heal? You need to leave it alone. You need to give it time, let the body do its work, and it will go away. It will, it will heal. And likewise, things that happen to us. 
And they may be emotional, they may be physical, but they have deeply affected us. They're a real wound. And, you know, you, you apply proper treatments, you apply the word of God, you declare, you prayed about it, get victory, you do all that stuff, and then what do you do? Leave it alone and let it heal. And rehashing and rehearsing and discussing things again and again are what victims do. And we've refused to embrace that mentality. Everybody have an okay time today? All right. I believe the Lord will help us in this regard. Joseph was a guy in the Old Testament. If you read in Genesis, Joseph had all the, not Joseph, you know, Joseph, thinking of Jacob. Jacob is the dad. Jacob had all the kids. One of them was Joseph, whom his brothers betrayed, threw into a pit, and sold him, uh, what, to the Ethiopians. And then they, he ended up in Potiphar's house and then in prison and eventually became second in command in Egypt. Right? Okay. Jacob as the father, we think about Joseph's plight, and that was horrible. How many, you know, dads or, or moms would be like, yeah, that would be pretty hard to deal with, losing your child like that. They were told, of course, he was dead. But in the end result, end of that story, when, when Joseph is in charge there in Egypt and his brothers come for food, and he runs them through the ringer and disguises his identity, and, you know, and, uh, you know <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> Well, I guess, because he's poking at them because of what they did to him. And uh, anyway, he keeps sending them back, brings Simeon, and then he asks for the youngest, Benjamin. And when they told uh, his, when the brothers went back and told their dad, Jacob, he was beside himself, thinking, I'm going to lose him now too. How, how, how much can I deal with? In fact, he said this in Genesis 42. He said, all things are against me. It, the NIV reads, everything is against me. Maybe you've felt that way at times in your life. It's like, pile on. <laughs> everything is, is, is against me. But here's, here's what's really important, okay? Feeling sorry for yourself is a key to defeat. We're all tempted to do it at times, but it's a key to defeat. It's the mentality that we could embrace that says, nobody cares, Nobody cares what I'm going through, what's happening. You know, some will say, I could just lie here and die and no one would even notice. <laughs> that sounds funny that I'm laughing at that person, but it, it's very real. This is a real temptation. Uh, you know, people say, my, my kids just never come to see me. No one will help me. No one. No one will help me. These are all the voice of defeat and failure. Watch. There's no faith in that kind of talk. There's no, there's no belief in, in God's promise. There's no expectation of God to come through and provide and, and help and, and deliver. Amen. It's... Whenever we're allowed to feel bad about our lives, we're in trouble. Never allow yourself to rehearse and feel bad. The pity party. Don't throw it. <laughs> uh, it might be for some labeled the midlife crisis. But we allow ourselves 
to feel bad, to be disappointed, to just be discouraged. I haven't done. I should have done. I wish I could have. That's a loser mentality. I know it comes, but we've got to say, I'm not going to entertain that. Feeling bad about ourselves is a trick of the devil. David said this, listen, at Psalm 2710, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I mean, that's a pretty good verse you wrote there, David. I mean, seriously, your parents are rejecting you. Your parents are forsaking, forsaking you. That's a serious problem. I feel victimized. But he said, the Lord will take care of me. I think that's the those are the words that should come out of our mouths. Well, this happened. Well, you might be right. Well, this happened. True. Well, this happened. That's unfortunate. Where's your butt? But the Lord <laughs> will take care of me. See, it's the devil that wants us to believe that some person is standing between us and our blessing. Again, you can't do anything about it. You're helpless. That person, they did this to you and they're keeping you from a happy life. That person, they took this from you. They blocked your pathway. They stood in your way and it's them. They're, they caused it. Okay, maybe there's some truth to that but I must move past that and say, but the Lord. He'll get me through. He'll get me around. He'll get me over. He'll get it to me another way. The Lord is going to be my help. He will be my strength. Amen. I, 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 we need to recognize that how we act determines how other people treat us. If I act like a victim, if I act, I have this woe is me type of mentality, then I'm going to be treated that way. It's hard to accommodate a person who is always woe is me. I mean, what do you do for, with that person? I don't really, this sounds bad, but I don't really want to be around them. Now, I'm a pastor. I want to help people, but I don't want to spend leisure time with you. <laughs> do you? If every time you get around, woe is me. My life is hard. This person did this. My kids did this. My work did this. My, you know, it's like, yeah, get me away from that. So knowing that, again, we can determine some of, some, to some degree how people are going to re react to us and respond to us. Yeah. I would rather be a champion than a chump. <laughs> I'd rather be a victor than a victim. And I'd rather be a winner than a whiner. And these are choices I make. Maybe I don't choose what everyone else does to me, but I can and I must choose a proper response. It's an inward response. Some things I don't want to let in me. I want to let the Word of God rule. Now, in Paul's life again, one of the Times, remember, he went to Jerusalem, was bound. He ended up going through all the courts. And at one point, he was being sent to Rome to stand before Caesar. And the famous voyage in that ship lasted for weeks. And there was a great storm. They thought they were all going to die. And it was really, really rough, really a bad situation. And Paul said this. I didn't have you open your Bible yet, but I know I'm almost done. But go ahead and open to Acts 
chapter uh, 27, Acts 27, and, and notice, you, you probably want to highlight this verse, verse 25, Acts 27, 25. Paul says here, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. His response to dire circumstances was, I believe God. But notice, notice, he didn't stop there. The word that is critical. I believe God that. If someone says to me, I believe God, period, I'm going to ask, you believe God what? If you were to say, well, I believe in God. Great, so do demons. And tremble. I need to answer, I believe God what? And the what is whatever God said. If I don't know what God said, I don't have the ability to believe God for a certain outcome. Their life looked like it was over. They're all going to die. But Paul said, I believe God. And he started off with, take heart, men. King James says, be of good cheer. <laughs> so everyone thinks they're dying. They're hungry. They're sick. They're cold. They're freezing. They're out in the ocean. And Paul comes in with a smile. Cheer up, boys. Everything's going to be all right. What are you talking about? Have you lost your marbles? What are you thinking here? I believe God that it shall be just as it was told me. So how many know we all have to have a God told me? This is relationship. This is not just a religious system we're following. I have a, I have a God who loves me. I'm supposed to talk to him. He talks to me. One way, not the only way he talks to us is through his written word. And I can find a promise. And I have to say, I believe God that Philippians 4.19 is true. He supplies all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I believe that 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes I was healed, therefore I am. So you fill in the, the blank with a scripture, with a promise. Amen. But Again, Paul said, I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. And he'll speak to you specifically about your circumstance. Oh, let me say it this way. I can't believe God without a word from God. Okay. I can't believe for healing without a verse, without a word on healing. I can't believe for financial provision without a word on financial provision. If someone says, uh, pray for me. Pray for you what? If someone said, I I'm going to pray about this, what verse are you going to use? N another way to say that is, what word from God are you going to believe when you're praying? Everybody with me? I believe God. What's the key word? That. I believe God that. You have to have a that. Not just general, vague, I have faith in God, something. God will do something. I'm not sure what or when or how. That belief produces zero results. But I believe God that. That's what changes circumstances. That's what puts us over the top. If you back up a couple verses, he said in verse 22, this is the that, by the way. And now I urge you to take heart 
for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. So he had a word from God, and that's why he smiled in the face of horrific circumstances. What word will put the smile back on your face? Well, I was abused. You're probably right. I'm so sorry that happened to you. What's going to put the smile back on your face? What's going to cause you to believe that you can? What's going to cause you to believe that you can act in a way that is not a result of how you were treated? What's going to do that? I tell you what's going to do that. A word from God. When we declare his promise, this is how faith talks, this is how faith acts, and I'm smiling not because of what's going on around me or what has happened to me. I'm smiling because I believe, God, that he is my victory. Come on. I believe he always causes me to triumph. Triumph. Amen. Amen. This is how we overcome. The famous healing of uh, Kenneth E. Hagan when he was in his teenage years, you know, he was on his deathbed. He had a blood disease, an incurable blood disease and a deformed heart. And he was, he was in bed paralyzed for 16 months. And as he told the story, uh, people would come to him, even doctors would see him there and they would say, uh, they would ask him, because this was before technology and all this kind of stuff that we have today. They, they would say, uh, Kenneth, do you ever read a newspaper? Do you, do you ever uh, you know, read any magazines? They were concerned about him. And, and he said, well, well, I don't have time. Think about that. He doesn't have time. He's paralyzed. He's bedfast for 16 months. What did he have time? The reason he said he didn't have time, because he spent all of it in this. And back then, there was no one teaching him how to do these things. People around him did not have this revelation and understanding. He had to get it all firsthand, but he spent all of his time doing that. What was the result? Well, he was raised up from a deathbed. He was raised up and lived till he was 86. He was supposed to be dead. As, he didn't have time for all this other stuff. He had time. What did he have time for? To hear from God. He had time for the that. So he could believe God that in this case, that he received his healing and it produced a tangible result. Amen. Amen. I think we could do the same thing. I think you can. I can. I think no matter what circumstance we've dealt with or what hand we've been dealt, so to speak, that we can. We can believe God too. You know, in Bible days, uh, it's different than how people talk today. I've noticed. I've noticed in, in today's uh, current times, individuals are referred to as being of strong faith when they have strong uh, devotion and commitment to God. They will be described as they had a really strong faith. That's not how people in the Bible were described. Devotion is a value. Commitment is a tremendous value, great character trait. But in the scripture, it wasn't that when you were just committed to your church or you're committed to God that you were called of strong faith. The people that were 
described as strong in faith or heroes of faith, they were always people who overcame something impossible or they were able to alter impossible circumstances by trusting God. In other words, they're the people that saw miracles. That's who Jesus, that's who the apostles pointed to and said, that person is a champion. That person is a person of strong faith. It went beyond just personal devotion to they learned how to lay hold of spiritual possibilities to change impossible physical circumstances. And that's what we can be. Amen. You have good devotion and commitment to God. I applaud that. I, you know, I want that too. You may be better than others in that area. But let's also be strong in faith. What do you mean? That we overcome in every circumstance. We're not in heaven yet. You know, we may have days of heaven. But we're not in heaven. But that, what does that mean? There are still issues to, to deal with and problems to overcome. And that's true for all of us. But bless God, we will overcome. Bless God, we will not be denied. We will not quit. Amen. We will lay hold of that for which we have been purchased and, 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 and redeemed. Amen. And, and this is our heritage. This is our lot. This is our right and gift from God to overcome. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for working in here right now by your spirit.